This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back to the show. I'm glad you're with me. I'm Danny Mac, but you knew that. I hope you're telling people about the Danny Mac Podcast. It's uh, It drops twice a week here at the Bet Rivers Podcast Network, almost always on Monday mornings and Thursday mornings as well, and that'll be the case throughout the uh, rest of the season. Um, barring the unforeseen, barring an injury at the 11th hour. And those of us who are baby boomers know what that's all about. We wake up feeling punk every now and again and have to postpone our day's duties. Uh, not the case today. Glad to report. I had a wonderful day yesterday watching pro football and we'll punctuate it tonight to see what the Patriots can do against the disappointing Cardinals. I had a couple buddies from my fantasy football league over at the house yesterday. Guys, I have uh, known and we have had the bond of football for more than 25 years in our league. It's a very exclusive league, only eight teams allowed, and I will not bore you anymore the rest of the way. Um, after noting noting this, Tom Brady has slipped so precipitously this season I played Mac Jones of the Patriots this week instead of Brady. And it looks like no matter what happens tonight, I made the right decision because Brady and the and the Buccaneers offense were just dreadful against the 49ers yesterday. It was a thrill ride in week 14. I did not need the Bears to find amazing entertainment options. And my hope is Bears media and Bears fans watched a lot of NFL. If you did yesterday, you acquired some knowledge and some perspective. Then maybe you can um, think more about player development each week. Uh, Up and down the roster, not just the quarterback. Yes, it is the most important, but it's one of 11. And uh, man, look at the Lions Sunday. Look at what that team looks like now after players learn how to win beating better teams, and that was the case yesterday, a win over the 10-2 and Vikings going in. Vikings now 10-3. and Detroit's 34-23 win over Mini yesterday. Man, the Lions have won five of their last six, and I'll get to Dan Campbell a little bit later on because a guy who looked like – a guy who was a punchline in September – is working his way toward the conversation of coach of the year. And that's, that's mind blowing. When you think about it, we talked about coach of the year yesterday, but we talked about as much as anything, the teams that have disappointed this year in the NFL, because that's a longer conversation. 
there are not a ton of good coaches this year, coaches who are in the conversation for coach of the year, but for disappointing team, that's not the case. And I will start with Tampa Bay in the late window yesterday, getting their asses kicked by the 49ers in Santa Clara. And you're, you got a 22 year old rookie quarterback, a fifth, a fifth round pick out of Iowa state, the football factory, 22 year old baby face, Brock Purdy, Man, as I like to say, your table is ready. He crushed it in the 49ers win, and they jumped to 9-4. and four. They're running away and hiding in the NFC West. Uh, more on San Francisco, one of just two NFC teams anybody can point to now and say, yeah, I like their chances to get to the Super Bowl. It may not be Philadelphia, 12-1 and one now, after their easy win yesterday against the Giants. And it may not be San Francisco, but if you want to take the field, I'll take those two. I dare you to pick anybody else other than the Eagles or the 49ers to represent the NFC in Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona. The latest the Super Bowl ever has been played this year, a February 12 date out in Maricopa County. The Buccaneers were hit with crushing injuries before the lid was lifted on this season. I get that. They lost an all-pro center in Ryan Jensen who blew out his knee in training camp. He hadn't missed a start in five consecutive seasons. Also an all-pro from a year ago, Tristan Wirfs, the right tackle, has been hurt. He's missed two games, and he was not anywhere near himself yesterday. Buccaneers did not allow a sack to their credit, but they, they were anything but good offensively. It's as bad as you've ever seen Tom Brady perform. Uh, no Rob Gronkowski. No offensive line. They couldn't run the ball all year. But you still have talent on that team. And I know Godwin and Evans have underwhelmed this year. They've had injury problems there at wideout as well. But without the ability to run the ball, and I still think Leonard Fournette is a reasonably productive NFL running back, they demonstrated their versatility without having a running game, by not being able to stop the San Francisco running game. What a perfect situation for a quarterback with no professional experience. A third stringer. You you recall before this thing started, Kyle Shanahan had anointed Trey Lance, the 49ers, with all the money they were paying Garoppolo, and Lance gets hurt opening day against the Bears, So Garoppolo wins the position by default, and the 49ers respond to him. They had 209 yards and three rushing touchdowns in their 35-7 win over the Bucs yesterday. San Francisco led 28-0 at the half. I find it hard to root against San Francisco based on the way they've constructed their roster. They're not afraid to spend first-round picks on tackles. Mike McGlinchey is back this year, the kid from Notre Dame. He looks terrific. And Christian McCaffrey, for whom they traded right before the deadline, was spectacular as a running back yesterday. 14 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. He only was targeted three times. He caught two balls for 34 yards and a TD. And let me tell you about that McCaffrey TD catch. Have you see, did you see a better throw in the NFL yesterday than and there were some amazing throws in tight windows 
But that ball Purdy put on McCaffrey was was just amazing. And what the what the 49ers did was simplify it. They didn't ask too much of their quarterback. Let's run the ball a ton. Did it. And what was he? 16 out of 21. That's the right number of throws. That looks like Justin Fields numbers, right? He's a number one pick in his second year and his numbers. That's again, back to my criticisms of Luke Getze this year, not developing the passer, Justin Fields, uh, as of yet, he threw 25 times in the bears lost to green Bay last Sunday. And we felt like that was a, a deluge of passing attempts for the bears. 49ers asked the same of Purdy yesterday. And he was pretty doggone good. Two touchdowns, no picks. Wasn't sacked. They protected him. He outplayed Tom Brady. Whatever happens the rest of his career, Brock Purdy can say in my rookie season, in week 14, I beat the greatest player in the game's history. I beat Tom Brady. 49ers defense. You can't throw enough flowery adjectives at the Niners D they didn't get a sack yesterday, but God, did they play well? They had a couple of picks. Dre Greenlaw's pick of Brady with the tip drill was, Oh man, that takes you back to when you play the game as a teenager and you're learning the tip drill Greenlaw getting vertical, getting up in the air, getting a hand on it and then making the catch was just a terrific pick. Two of the two of them on the day for the Niners defense. And they also forced and recovered a fumble. They held Tampa to just 25% success on third down. The Buccaneers were four out of 16 on third down. 49ers have a good old fashioned recipe, run the ball, stop the run, get after the quarterback. They didn't do a great job of that yesterday, but, uh, Nick Bosa also is is nursing a very lousy hand. They've got other guys. No excuse. They didn't get to the quarterback. Got to be consistent. You're going to rave about the defense. You got to be completely honest. They didn't have a sack. You get paid with the big money to knock quarterbacks on their ass. That, that's what changes games. Tampa Bay and Brady were the favorites to win the NFC and MVP. Now they're king shit in one of the worst divisions in the NFL. The NFC South just sucks, and it, it's not not much different than the AFC South. There's a big pile of suck ball, too. I don't care what anybody says about the Packers losing Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Green Bay is one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL this year. One of my buddies argued that with me last night. What did you expect after Devontae Adams split? Well, I expected the Packers to continue to develop Wide receivers, I would expect 13 to have a very good season, and you got a good backfield. And what Packers fans and the team were, the battle cry we heard in August was, we're finally going to win because of our defense. That hasn't happened. The Packers have allowed 302 points in 13 games. That's more than every team in the NFC East which was expected to be terrible. We all thought NFC East, Philly wins it by default. Everyone else blows, maybe the Cowboys. And then Prescott went down early, uh, and they didn't skip a beat. But you weren't expecting huge things out of Dallas because they do what Dallas does, ultimately. Now, they won a game yesterday. They usually lose. Kyle Brandt pointed that out today on Good Morning Football, and I, I agreed with the shouty Kyle 
uh, on that point. Cowboys teams in recent years don't win those hard games and they're falling. They fell behind Houston and had to really, really earn that win yesterday. I won't get too down on them for that because there are stumbles along the way. And when you look at the Houston Texans roster, why wouldn't you feel confident? That's a lousy football team. They absolutely cruising to the number one pick in the 2023 NFL draft. I, the Packers, for me, are right behind Tampa. May, maybe they're neck and neck for most disappointing. They're on my Mount Underachieve more. Just because Devontae Adams is gone. Packers are 5-8. and eight. Idle yesterday, but that doesn't mean I can't stick the blade in a little bit today because they are among the most disappointing teams in the NFL, joining the Buccaneers on my Mount Suckmore. And that's to use that twice. The Rams deserve a spot on my mountain. Super Bowl champs last year, four and nine, en route to setting a record they did not covet. And that is following a Super Bowl win, following that confetti shower, having the worst record the next year. The 99 Broncos have that distinction now. I've been talking about this quite a bit the last few podcasts and my terrestrial shows on WJOB and Hammond as well. And you can get that anywhere in the world, by the way, on the TuneIn app. You don't have to be in Hammond to get my show noon to two on Fridays with Vandy. The Rams absolutely deserve a spot. And you could say what you want about Cooper Cup. He went down in week 10. They were long out of it before he went down. The Rams have scored 218 points. That's the fewest in the NFC. The great Sean McVay. Only Denver and Houston have scored fewer points than McVay's Rams. They are one of uh, one of my four heads on this uh, this four pack of underachievers. And yesterday there were a bunch of teams that underachieved. And I'll get to the Titans a little bit later on. Just, but he's still going to be a playoff team. I'm talking about teams that should have been playoff teams. And the Buccaneers very well go. They're six and seven on top of their division. I'm nominating the Cleveland Browns for my mountain. They're five and eight. They didn't get to Sean Watson until week 13, but they didn't fall behind because of Jacoby Brissett. In 11 starts, Brissett had a rating of just a tick below 90. He'd thrown 12 TD passes and only had been picked six times. And they have a great running game. No excuse for the Browns to be 5-8. and eight. They're among the league leaders in points allowed. Miles Garrett, high draft picks on that Cleveland defense. They're a minus 23 in the points scored slash allowed differential. So those are my four. Tampa, Green Bay, the Browns. And what was the one I mentioned prior to that as I shuffled through my notes? The Rams, the defending champion Rams. Rooting for Sean McVay to take Mike Shanahan's dubious distinction away. Uh, That would be fun for me. There's other teams that are underachieving. Um, The Cardinals have underachieved. I, I think you have to look at what Tennessee has done recently as a colossal failure. Um, You shouldn't lose to a lesser team. And they did that yesterday. 
you know, some teams played poorly yesterday. Some contending teams played poorly yesterday, but they won. They managed to win. Coach of the year candidates right now, it's a runaway. My choice is Nick Sirianni of the Philadelphia Eagles. They're cruising to the top seed in the NFC. There, there are very few great candidates for this award, and maybe the award doesn't pump your nads, breakfast club, but I think it's a fun conversation because, and to, to me, and I have felt this way forever, you've got to be a playoff team if your coach is going to be recognized as a coach of the year. It's a, it's a regular season award, so forget what happens after the 18 weeks of football that doesn't count in the discussion. If you got a team that really was bad last year or had to overcome a ton of injuries or a combination and get to the playoffs, that's what you have to do to become a candidate for Coach of the Year. And I want to share with you a conversation I had with former NFL head coach Dom Capers. Um, he finished second in Coach of the Year voting in 1995. That was the Panthers' first year of existence. They went 7-9. and nine. Missed the playoffs. Very impressive for a startup franchise to win seven games. The way they constructed the roster, refresher course, was by having the oldest team in the league. They picked up good veteran free agents, guys like Sam Mills from the New Orleans Saints, and they played extremely well defensively with their young quarterback, Kerry Collins, running the show on offense. The first Super Bowl where I covered Hype Week was in Arizona, the Super Bowl when the Cowboys beat Neil O'Donnell and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm saying that like I'm a Pittsburgher. O'Donnell. Talk to Dave Wanstead. I told Capers, who sat down with us after finishing second to Green Bay's Ray Rhodes that year for Coach of the Year, I said, there is absolutely no way you get a vote from me because you missed the playoffs. And he he gave me that coach's coach's eyes, which I saw for the first time in 1976 when I got him from Dave Shelbourne, my high school football coach, where those eyes that just pierce you and look through you and know every blemish you've made. It's like God looking at you almost. He sees every sin you ever committed. That's the look I got from Capers. And to my surprise, he then broke into a smile. He said, I agree with you 100%. We don't go to training camp looking to go seven and nine. We constructed this team to win immediately. I didn't deserve a vote. And I was stunned by his response. I immediately, immediately fell in love with with Dom Capers. And I don't think I ever talked to him again. But it was easy to root for the Panthers the following year after he told me that. And then he did win Coach of the Year in 96, and here's why. They went 12-4 and and made it to the NFC title game. I went to that title game at Lambeau Field. Packers blew out the Panthers and went to the Super Bowl in New Orleans and pasted Bill Parcells and the Patriots. But you got to go to the playoffs to be a Coach of the Year. No one signs up for sub-500. No one goes into a season. I don't care how many injuries you have. I don't. You can't be a candidate if you're not a playoff team. If you're a sub 500 team, how can you make a case for coach of the year? Now, is the Giants Brian Dable still a candidate for the coach of the year? Again, got to get to the playoffs. They got pumped yesterday by the Eagles. 
none of us had the Giants even being a 500 team this year. So, so Dable has done a good job. But I want to rewind three weeks, maybe four weeks ago. My partner on my terrestrial show, Vandy, says, how can you not have either the Jets or Giants in your top 10? I said, I don't believe they're among the best 10 teams in football. That's why. I know their records say they are, but I I don't buy them. I, I don't think what they've done is sustainable. And what I... What I have been able to do is admire the the Giants. They're not blessed with great playmakers other than Saquon Barkley. And he wasn't himself yesterday. He tried to, to grind through a, a, a gimpy leg. Daniel Jones has been a better quarterback than we were expecting. But you got to make the playoffs if you're Brian Dable, for me. And done a nice job. I think if you're a Giants fan, you have to feel pretty okay about the future. Just okay, because I don't know if Daniel Jones is ever going to lead you to a Super Bowl. He may go with you if you're perfect everywhere else. Giants are not that. And they could not defend yesterday. That touchdown Devonta Smith covered, there was a safety closing on the sideline. They ran a nine route, a go route, it looked like. Devonta Smith makes the catch streaking down the sideline near the chalk. And there's a, there's a safety converging for the giants. I think it was Julian love. And I apologize to all friends and family members of love. If I got the wrong guy, but he so he easily could have knocked the ball out of bounds. It's like he did. He ran right by Smith and gave him an Olay mechanic. Uh, the Matador technique, Lou Brown giving it to uh, the star third baseman played by Corwin Benson in Major League. What is this old label shit? I love Lou Brown. Moment of silence for the guy who played Lou Brown. Thank you very much. Seattle's Pete Carroll. Is he a candidate for coach of the year? Many of us said in September, this is the worst team Pete Carroll's ever had in Seattle. They are awful. And nobody had confidence in Geno Smith coming into the year. And he wasn't good yesterday, but he is the easy favorite to win comeback player of the year. Everybody has mocked this guy because early in his career, he he, he saw ghosts like Sam Darnold, who won yesterday, did when he was with the Jets. Um, he wasn't good. Um, but he comes, this journeyman winds up taking the reins, winning the job in camp. They get a great performance in his rookie year. The kid from Michigan State, Kenneth Walker, I, I, I. They're 7-7 and and out of the playoffs. Now, Carroll, for me, took a hit yesterday with that loss in Coach of the Year voting. You're at home. You are fighting for the last playoff spot. Right now, that's possessed by Dable's Giants. Commanders slid up to the sixth spot. Seven teams each league, remember? Third straight year of that. So Seattle's at home with the 12th man behind them and they have a chance to put they have a chance to put the Giants out of the playoffs and grab that 7 seed and they wet the bed against a thought to be tanking Panthers squad. This is a team that fired its head coach Matt Rule early in the season, parted company with the best player On the team, Christian McCaffrey. I know he's been hurt a lot, but he's been one of the most prolific offensive performers in Panthers history, and that is not capable of being – well, you could debate it, but you'd be foolish to because the guy's done done things that make him walk with the immortals, thousand, thousand guys, like Marshall Falk. Um, 
McCaffrey only the third guy to have one of those seasons in NFL history. If you think Carolina is finished and looking to move up in the draft, and they go to Seattle with Sam Darnold running the show, and they kick the asses of the Seahawks. Nice going, Steve Wilkes. I find Steve Wilkes to be real easy to root for. He's the interim head coach of the Panthers. He was their defensive coordinator when my friend Ron Rivera was the Panthers headmaster. And he took the head coaching job in Carolina, a few, uh, not Carolina, in uh, Arizona. And then the Cardinals, after one season, bad roster, don't worry about that. After one season, whacked Wilkes. That's fun to say. They whacked Wilkes because they had to have Cliff Kingsbury. Right, let's see what Cliff Kingsbury's squad can muster up as we punctuate week 14 tonight. Has Dan freaking Campbell entered the conversation for coach of the year? They were one in six. They've won five of their last six. They keep winning. They were terrible on defense the first month of the season. And I think those of us, and I don't know what percentage of football-loving America watches Hard Knocks, probably a small percentage, but it was easy to like the Lions in training camp, especially if meatball football appeals to you. And Dan Dan Campbell is the king of meatballishness. He is a, he's this century's what Bill Cowher was to the Steelers when he took the job in the mid-90s. Fire. They gave up a lot yesterday to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings' prolific passing game. But the Lions were crisp offensively. Jared Goff stayed upright. They threw the ball at will. I don't know what happened to Dan Campbell's nose, and I don't think our broadcasters ever mentioned it yesterday, and that was the game on the big screen with my buddies. I wanted, I had money on the Vikings, and I thought it was the easiest play of the week. They were getting points against the Lions. This is the Vikings. They're 10-2. and two. How could they be getting points? What disrespect? And then they crap. They crap all over the place. Again, Dan Campbell, uh, you get that Lions team in the playoffs after a 1-6 start, yeah, you get my vote. You leapfrogged Nick Sirianni. And I wonder if even though much of it was by his own mistakes, if Kyle Shanahan is going to emerge into this discussion right now. And I've not read much about this, admittedly, online. I like to have original thoughts sometimes when I start something rather than build off a ton of other ideas. I've already quoted a few of them today. But Shanahan is going to work with a third-string quarterback, Brock Purdy. And he was pretty good yesterday. Slap me. Where's my anvil? Dan Campbell, coach of the year in the NFL. He borrowed, that's what I'm starting to say, or the broadcasters never mentioned his nose. He borrowed W.C. Fields' nose for the game. He had a big, reddish-hued, bulbous nose on that Lions sideline, and I laughed every time they had a shot of him on TV. I can't get down, as, as I mentioned, on some of the teams that are expected to contend this year. Uh, they performed subpar Sunday, so I'm not going to fire haymakers at the Cowboys. They survived the Texans 27-23. Tony Pollard is magnificent. I, I don't know how in the world 
you gave up that many points. I, well, I do. I saw they also had some mistakes in the Texans, turned some things into positives defensively. So the offense put the Cowboys in harm's way a few times, but they survive it. You got to do that. It's a game they lose. See, this is why you need those players who are going to be part of your core for years to come to produce. You need them to be successful to get confident. And the Cowboys, to some degree, took those next steps last year. They're 10-3. and They managed to win yesterday. The Bills, on a really crappy day in Buffalo, survived 20-12. to Now, I'm not one of those... I'm not one of those I told you so, guys. That's a joke. Um, But um, what have I been saying? If you've been with me for a little while, what have I been saying about Buffalo? You got to have a better running game. You got to take some of the pressure off of Josh Allen. And the Bills' offense, in terrible conditions, was terrible yesterday 20 to 12. You muscle up 20 points against. The Jet, you know, and I know the Jets are good defensively, and Robert Sala also is a coach of the year candidate with the Jets having a winning record. But you got to get to the playoffs, and will they do that? We'll see. We'll see. Again, I didn't have the Giants or the Jets in my top 10 three weeks ago, and I've seen really nothing that's made me change my mind. All that I know, oh, I love the guy who blocked the punt for the safety. How did, uh, how did they get 12 yesterday? The Jets blocked a punt, and it went out of the end zone. That is football simultaneous orgasm for me. I love the double thud. It's one of the best sound in sports. Uh, sounds in sports. Like the, the, the crack of a golf ball after the whistle of the forward swing. Uh, a well-crushed baseball, you know, a really well-hit baseball. That's a satisfying sound. The punt that gets blocked, especially if it gets blocked real cleanly, like a lot of the ball hits the forearm, that's that punt sound, thwack, the double thud, I call it, into the end zone, setting up the greatest mechanic in sports officiating in the world, the uh, the get him up We can dance if we want to, the safety dance. That's how the Jets got two of their 12 yesterday. Another team I won't beat up on too badly today is Kansas City. I don't know how Russell Wilson resurrected his career, at least for a day yesterday, against a defense I have a lot of respect for. I think the Chiefs don't get enough recognition for their defense. Russell Wilson, you know, trying to write a redemption song, puts a lot of points on the board, has the three fist pumps on a touchdown pass. Jerry Judy, three of them yesterday. Kansas City got the best of Mahomes and the worst of Mahomes. The the no-look pass to Jarek McKinnon that went for a long touchdown will go down as one of the greatest plays of the year. It was incredibly cool to watch that play. They built a huge lead and took the foot off the gas. Where are they leading? 28 to nothing. And then Mahomes later threw another terrible interception. He had a couple of them yesterday, but he survived. You know, he's Mahomes. He scored 30, they scored 34 points and they made enough plays to survive in a tough building. They didn't cover. Okay. If you had the chiefs yesterday, you don't want to hear it, but 
Against the spread aside, it is hard to win in the MF and National Football League, especially on the road. And I don't care how bad the Broncos are, altitude is a factor. You can dismiss it if you want to. I would encourage you to go to a high-altitude city and go walk a couple of miles. See how you feel. See if you don't need to sit down after a half a mile because you're lightheaded. This happened to me in Sedona, Arizona, when I was visiting my high school journalism teacher 10 years ago, Barbara Mayer, who passed away in the fall of the first year of the pandemic, and I love her very much. Um, The altitude is a thing, man. And I've been in Denver. It's a thing. You get lightheaded just driving when you're at 6,000 feet. So, okay with the Chiefs. I'm all right with the Chiefs. You're not going to win pretty all the time. The Bears have the Eagles next week, Bears fans. They are nine-point favorites, uh, the Eagles, at Bet Rivers. I believe the total sitting at 48.5. The way Bears games have gone so far this year, my inclination is to bet the over. Will I lay the nine? I don't think so. I made a couple of really good decisions Yesterday, I'll take any team in the NFL, the Broncos included, getting 17. I took the Texans yesterday. I took the Bengals yesterday straight, and I had them on a par with San Francisco. How nice is it to have the 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 noon, a part of a two-team parlay, one of the noon games, Cincinnati over Cleveland by 13. They were four-point faves. And San Francisco which never was threatened. And you you don't win often on parlays. That's two in two weeks. And now I, I did have a couple stumbles yesterday as well. I think I played five games. But, uh, man, those parlays are nice. <laughs> Keep me coming back. I don't know if I'm going to play tonight. Can I trust the Patriots as a road favorite? Bad. You gotta be kidding me. Mac Jones is going on the road and he's a point and a half favorite over a team that had playoff aspirations this year. I I doubt I'll take the nine Bears Eagles. I'll probably play the over. I'll be talking about that in depth on my podcast on Thursday morning. Thank you so very much for listening to this week 14 wrap up discussion of the most disappointing teams in the NFL as well as head coaches who have done a good job. And a lot of them have done that, but only one. Philly's Nick Sirianni has truly distinguished himself as the clubhouse favorite. And there's there's a few guys knocking on the door, but uh, no one flirting with him just yet. Thanking Adam Delavitt, the big boss man at Bet Rivers Podcast Network, for giving me this opportunity to spend with you twice a week. And my producer, Sam Michael, uh, like me, a Highland Trojan, thank you for your effort as well today. Talk to you again on Thursday. Enjoy the start to the week. Get a jump on Christmas shopping. Give somebody an account with Bet Rivers. Have them install that app and give them $500 worth of Play-Doh. That's what I'd do if I were you from all your winnings from the games earlier this week. I'm Dan McNeil. Thank you for listening. I'm Tail Lights for now. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.